This is 99th episode, and this is a podcast. Start watching that. We got that. We got to watch all the match before we watch the president. All right, all that's guy. I love match too. Match is great. So. So I had a tragedy happen, Paul. Okay. And this is a stupid, trifle, silly tragedy, the type of which <laughs> happens to people like us. Yeah. Did you leave a box of books out in the rain? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. That's, I, that's somebody else's tragedy. I always keep them inside. <laughs> Good call. Monitored for temperature and humidity regularly. Just like a fine cigar. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so... I've been playing this game, The Long Dark, a lot. And I've talked about this oh, game yeah. a lot on this show. It's mm-hmm. essentially a survival game. You have to keep yourself alive in a frozen wilderness where there's no power. And you have to hunt your own food, craft your own clothing, scavenge around for materials and tools. Everything slowly deteriorates over time. So you have to either fix it or it will break and wear out. And it's basically a game of how long can you survive against the elements and the wildlife because there's wild wolves that are very aggressive, there's bears, there's even moose that will stomp you down. And I've been playing this game for a long time, especially recently. It's been kind of like my go-to zone-out thing Mm -hmm. where I just go, I just play a little bit, it lets me take my mind off everything and just not think about anything, which sometimes I just really need that. And in this game, there's 10 or 11 different regions. And I had found two that I like as a home base. And I'd been to all but two of the regions to get all the supplies there and take them back to my home base regions. So I was super stocked up with supplies. Mm -hmm. I was ready to hunker down and survive for the long haul. And you you may start to, to get a hint of what's going on because I'm talking about all of this in the past tense. Yep. (laughs) I knew what you were going to say as soon as you said the long dark. (laughs) And (laughs) one of the things that happens in this game is that the Aurora Borealis shows up sometimes because you're in the frozen north and the Aurora Borealis shows up. And when the Aurora shows up, all of the electronics in the game come back to life. And Hmm. it's one of the kind of unique things. Lights will turn on, computers will turn on, radios will turn on, stuff like that. And I was in this area that I had never really been before and I was camping out in a repair shop like a railroad repair shop. And when the Aurora came on for the first time, there's all these exposed electrical wires <laughs> and they come to life and start sparking. And I thought, Oh, well that that's kind of interesting. And, but I had never experienced this before. It's the first time I'd seen anything like this in the game. Anyway, I was walking around and I thought, well, I want to go outside and see the Aurora Borealis. Check it out because that's pretty cool. So I started walking through this shop and I realized, well, I didn't quite realize because what happened is I just started walking and then all of a sudden something happened and something happened. And then I realized I was burning to death 
from these electrical wires that I had walked too close to. And within literally one second, I went from alive and fine to dead in this game. And when you die in this game, it automatically saves your progress. So there's no undoing it. There's no going back to a previous save. The game is over. If you die, it's immediate. It shuts off that save game. There's nothing you can do about it. So this game that I've been playing for the last six months to a year, this same long continuous survival game, the same session of the game is over. (laughs) And it happened just boom like that within a second. (laughs) And I was in shock. (laughs) It was a, a weird experience. All I could do was just laugh about it because I figured this is a a bit too silly to get emotional about. (laughs) But it was like I was laughing so that I wouldn't get emotional about it. And it's this thing that has been like my go-to sanctuary of just a a way to zone out and relax is now gone, (laughs) just gone. And it's left me in this weird situation where now I feel like I don't quite know what to do with my time because I feel like I started to use it as just my go-to. Oh, I'm done with work. I just want to zone out for half an hour. I'll put on that game and play for a bit. Or I wake up in the morning and I've got some time to myself. I just want to zone out and play this game. And the thought of starting over and rebuilding to where I was, it would take me like another six months to do that and that sounds kind of terrible right now (laughs) and so this it's this weird thing where like the thing that has been my go-to relaxation thing is now just boom in an instant gone it's very strange it's kind of like when you're reading a, a long book you get to the end and it's over and it was good and it was your thing you were focused on but you can't just like continue on. The thought of starting another book is like, oh, I don't exactly want to do that because you wanted this book. Like you were mentally in that world. Uh, that's the closest thing I think to relate that to, but yeah, eventually you just got to start over. If, if I was going to use that book analogy, it's like, I got a big, big book, a big, like 1200 page book. And I was really getting into it. And I was just reading it slowly, chapter by chapter. And I thought, oh, man, all right, I'm halfway through this book. And I've still got another month or two of reading of this book. And I'm really liking it. And this is great. And then halfway through the book, it said, and then he died. The end. And then the rest of the pages were blank. (laughs) 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 that's that's uh, oh yeah and the enemy died too (laughs) yeah you're just making me regret spending the money on the long dark now (laughs) it's it's a it's a uh i still really love the game and i had a a ton of fun in this playthrough it's a lot of it is just i had spent so much time building up this playthrough and going around to all these different areas, getting all the supplies, and you get a ton of supplies, and, and there's a, a limit to the amount you can carry in this game. So a lot of times what it would take is 
going through all these areas, harvesting all these supplies, tracking them down, storing them somewhere, then spending a couple days just walking back and forth between that region where I got all these supplies from to one of my home base regions to drop them off. And so it's 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 really fun getting there. Uh, it's just man. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll, t- it, <laughs> you'll end up taking a break and getting back to it if you like it. So, you know, like that'll end up happening, but you need that kind of breather in between. But the the silver lining is now you can actually try another game that you've probably just been neglecting because you've been, you know, just like you said, you have your go-to being that. That's what I've done with Madden. Madden's my go-to mindless, just sit down and play a little bit game. And in the past, I've actually made myself get rid of Madden before the end of its, like, year cycle just so I stop playing it and play something else. Uh-huh. And this year, I purposefully got it because I want something that's mindless like that because, like, I being in school, I don't have the time to to really get engulfed into a game like even right now i'm struggling to have time to keep up with schoolwork the last couple of weeks because of work and like i don't have time for enjoyment so having a few minutes to just sit down and play madden is perfect because there's no build to it it doesn't take a certain amount of time i could play just a little bit and some days i go on there and i, I literally log on and there aren't any new like uh challenges to do or anything i'm like eh, i don't feel like playing anything else i just turn it back off yeah, but yeah, that's I, I hear what you're saying. Like, I can't think of a of uh, a time that I've had as big of a loss in a game as what you just said. Um, the closest like work to compile data that I've done is uh, when I was a kid. I completed Super Mario World 101, percent and I even needed help on some of it. There was one level that like I could not do on my own that my cousin helped me do. And my mom was doing daycare at the time, and one of the kids at daycare wiped out my save, and that pissed me off because it took a lot of work to do that. And you know, it's like Mario World; you can still go in and play. You know, it's not yeah. like you end the game and it's over. You could, I mean, there's nothing new in it, but you can still go play through everything. I had everything accessible. The the other closest thing I can think of that I've experienced is when I was in high school playing Final Fantasy VII. And I was on the last stretch of the game where you have the last save and you're going to go through a long stretch before the end of the game to fight the final boss and there's no more save points. And so I was deep into that and then spur of the moment, my stepdad was like, we're going to the laundromat. And because I think we had just moved into a house and we didn't have a washer dryer yet. And I was like. I can't like I'm in the middle of, of this and I can't I can't just leave a pause because the system will overheat because we're talking about a PlayStation here and I can't save it. And like I was, you know, like genuinely upset about it because it's like not like we were told ahead of time we were going to do this. And, you know, he wanted everybody to go. So, like, we're all being responsible, you know, being a part of things. And I was pissed off about it. And but just also kind of like whatever. You know, like I, I protested, but it's like, whatever, you know, what can I do? And he ended up like my mom, him talked, whatever. And they, they let me stay home to finish it instead of going because it was stupid. Like, why the hell would I go? Like, why do I need to go sit there for you to do laundry? It's not like I'm going <laughs> to yeah. do anything. But that's the only other time that I almost lost a bunch of work. But even then, it wouldn't have been the kind of work that you just said. It's yeah, I, I think kind of stinks it i mean it definitely it sucks to lose all this work but at the same time in this aspect this is part of the game 
Like the game is staying alive. And the game is about not making stupid mistakes. I know. The That's game what's hilarious is you died with a stupid... But it wasn't like a bear caught you and mauled you. It's, oh, I walked into a wire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was just something that I had never encountered before. And I, I had no idea it would harm me. And it did, which is kind of just like in real life, you know, <laughs> like and, and it's what the game is trying to model. So in a game, in a way, the game won in exactly the way the game always wins, because this is this is not a game that you can actually win. It's just a, a matter of how long can you not lose? That's yeah. really what it is. And you can not lose for a long, long time as I had done because I I think the total amount of in-game days I had played was like 350 days mm-hmm. and I'd been playing this game for at least six months maybe a year to get to that point and I could easily have survived for another probably thousand in-game days easily with all the stuff I had stocked up nice and so it, it is funny because this is exactly what the game is about is not making stupid mistakes like that like i should have been cautious oh these are these electrical wires i thought it was just like some flavor thing with the um the aurora coming on some atmospheric thing to make it look neat but nope <laughs> it killed me <laughs> and the other thing also is i can't get too upset at it because it's just a video game there's just a, i have a limited amount of emotional upsetness capacity that i can apply to video games so uh it's i've been mostly shrugging it off and just being like okay whatever and in some ways it's a relief right because now i have all this time that i can apply to other things and that's kind of one thing i'm i'm doing and i did start playing another game which i can talk about but maybe uh it's time for you to tell me about this set of like 15 books you put on your bookshelf it's only 12 books oh okay i'm sorry only 12 that i bought mostly all at once without reading a single page of it yet okay so So, uh, all in on 12 books without having read any of them okay so this manga is uh it's called vagabond it is written by uh takahiko inoue Vagabond. Published by uh, Kodansha. So I'm going to take you down a rabbit hole here. That's a good joke that uh, that Ed will get already. Um, so what led me to this, and this is why I had the confidence to purchase all of this without having read any of it yet. And I've also, there's another reason why I would do that that I'll, I'll tell as I get there. So this all goes back to my love of Ninja Turtles. That's where it starts, right? Okay. Like most so, things. And like yeah, everything in life starts with the Ninja Turtles, really. Even for for everybody else, they just don't well, know it yet. No, I, well, it actually starts with Star Wars, but <laughs> well, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, well, but if it starts with Ninja Turtles, wouldn't it actually start with Daredevil? Because yeah. weren't Ninja Turtles a kind of a riff off of Frank Miller's Daredevil? Daredevil is one of the influences of of Ninja Turtles, and there's some like the hand, the foot stick splinter like there are some like direct kind of relations there there were other influences um including uh, frank miller's ronin which i read and that was a rough thing to read but interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but anyway so it starts with ninja turtles i'm a ninja turtles fan and there was a, a, a an acquaintance i have online 
that I got to know this acquaintance because of Valiant, and this acquaintance was also a fan of Ninja Turtles. But it turned out this acquaintance was a bigger fan of Usagi Yojimbo, which there's a relation there because Usagi Yojimbo has crossed over in the comics with Ninja Turtles and has been in various iterations of the Ninja Turtle cartoon as well. So He's also a martial arts type Asian fighting type character that is also an animal yes yes very good of you yeah <laughs> uh, so usagi yojimbo is uh is based off of miyamoto musashi so like uh his name is miyamoto usagi you know so there's like a, a, a close relation there um, but he's based off the character of musashi which uh, musashi was a real person Getting into Usagi Yojimbo because of Ninja Turtles opened the door for me uh, with watching like classic samurai movies, uh, with starting to read manga. So like, I actually started to read Lone Wolf and Cub long before I, I tried anything else with manga because of the influence on Usagi Yojimbo. Because I, I, once I got into Usagi Yojimbo, I really loved it. Stan Sakai does Usagi Yojimbo. He does the, you know, the art and writing and he's done it for like decades now. And um, so that's one of those um, properties that it's creator owned and always been that one creator. Like he'll have a, you know other people doing colors and stuff like that on it, but um, it's it's never been like other you know other people write the book or other people draw the book. Like it's always him. Yeah. Um, but so getting into Usagi enough in, opened the door for me to start looking into the influences that Stan Sakai had. You know, samurai films, like I said, um, different manga like Lone Wolf and Cub. And another uh, former acquaintance of mine told me about a book called Musashi. It's about Miyamoto Musashi. So I got that book. I actually still haven't finished reading that because it's massive. It's um, I believe it's actually like uh, the, the English published version of it is a collection of many shorter uh, books as published, you know, in, in Japan. Um, but it's it's been a really good book. I haven't actually read it in probably a couple of years because it's just been tucked away somewhere. But I need to get it back out and start reading it again. I'm looking it up, and it has a cool cover. Yeah, and it's it. It's a cover that could be a Valiant Comics cover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it has a a samurai character holding a sword in front of a gigantic setting sun or rising sun. Yeah. So, anyways, so you know, like. You're going down the rabbit hole here of Ninja Turtles to Usagi Yojimbo to uh, different influences, including specifically Musashi, who Usagi is directly based on. And then somebody tells me about this manga, Vagabond. So I get the first volume of Vagabond when I just stumble across it at uh, at Bull Moose. You know, I've, I've talked about Bull Moose before. Like anytime you get something there, it's discounted to some percent. So sometimes when I go there, if I see something that I would like to check out, um, even if I don't want to read it right now, I might grab it because, you know, it's it's at a discount, especially if it's something that I don't often see. Like there's some things that you go in there and like they, they have in stock for quite some time and other things, they'll just kind of randomly pop up. So like I, I saw volume one and I grabbed it. It's been on my shelf. I haven't started reading it because I've been um, buried into other things. Uh, and then some point down the road there was another store newberry comics that was having a buy one get one half off sale so i picked up volume two and three and i was like okay you know let's get one here and there kind of a deal and then as i got more into manga and 
into some long series and discovered that sometimes it gets really hard to find certain volumes. There's two other series that this is the case with. Pluto, I have all but volume three. I was able to get volume three from the library, so like I've read that one, I'm able to keep reading it. And Monster, I have all but volume nine. Mm. Um, and I'm going to totally, um, you know I'm bad with names, so I'm going to totally blink on the name of the creator of that one, so I'll look it up real quick here. Um, Naoki Urasawa? Naoki Urasawa, yeah. So Urasawa does those two. Uh, Urasawa also does 20th Century Boys that I've talked about before. That is probably my favorite book, and I'm like in the middle of that series. So there's two other series that I've been getting, Pluto and, and Monster. There's one volume that I can't get right now. Uh, if you see them pop up on like Amazon or something, they'll be priced at like a hundred dollars for a you know thirteen to twenty dollar book. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so that's yep. You know that happens in a lot of American uh, graphic novels. Also, that's one thing I've noticed. Where, for example, I have all of the Punisher Max hardcover books uh-huh. except for Volume Four, <laughs> and Volume Four, if I wanted to go buy it today, would be three hundred dollars. Yeah, it's crazy how those things go. They go out of print. And the thing with the American comics, I've seen this trend since I, it caught my attention years ago um, with wanting to get uh, Uncan- Uncanny X-Men Omnibus. They're mm-hmm. in print. It's fine. They go out of print because they don't keep them in print constantly. They bring them back to print every couple years or few years. So they go out of print and suddenly this you know, $100, $125 now Omnibus is selling for three four hundred dollars, yeah, and then it comes back in print, and then all those ones that were selling for three to four hundred dollars drop back down to normal price or less, you know. Uh huh. And yeah, some of the Punisher stuff I've definitely seen that with because there was a time where a couple of Punisher stories piqued my interest and I wanted to check them out, and they were prohibitive to get, so I think I ended up getting them from the library and reading them without spending anything. But yeah, so like it's the same thing with manga, but with manga, it could be an even longer dry spell because it's, you know, it's getting translated from Japanese to English. And so like that has to be there. And then like it has to make money for the publisher to want to keep publishing it. Like it, it seems very different. Like some stuff just gets impossible to find right away because like all they really care about is, is, you know, what makes the most money, of course, which is what you do as a publisher. Like, you can go on, on uh, eBay or Amazon, you can find Japanese versions of these books for, like, dirt cheap. Like, you get the whole run of one of these series for, like, less than cover price, because it's in Japanese. But getting the, you know, English translated versions, you can't. So, anyways, with uh, with Vagabond... Well, it sounds like there's an easy solution here, then. Learn Just Japanese. learn Japanese, <laughs> an entire foreign language, so that you can read these comic books. That's, you know, that's probably what I should do. Probably. I mean, that's, <laughs> it seems like the easiest thing to me than probably. trying to spend $100 for <laughs> this one volume. I just, like I said, I just got it from the library and read it for free. But yeah, so with Vagabond, I had the first three. And then one day, my wife and my son and I were going to the mall to get him new shoes for school. And newberry comics is in the mall and they were having the sale again buy one get one half off on manga and graphic novels and i was like oh i'll I'll pick up the next couple of volumes and i go there and they don't have any more volumes until like volume nine seven or nine something like Mm. that and i'm like oh okay so after that we go over to books a million that's in the like mall shopping area right there too 
Um, cause that's, we, we live far away from books a million. So it's like, if we get down there, we usually just pop in a little bit to see, cause they, they have a different selection of stuff than Barnes Noble does. And we live right by Barnes Noble basically. So I go there and they had, so I, I have one through three and they had like five and like, they have like a smattering of different numbers, but they don't have four even, but they have five. So I go online and I look to see if I can get four, like ordering it online from Barnes & Noble or something like that. And I, I can order it from Barnes & Noble. So I ordered number four from Barnes & Noble, pick up number five from Books A Million there. I was like, okay, well, at least I got the next couple. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go all in on this. So I find, like, I have to piece together, but I find, like, one here and one there. And that's why I got all 12 of them is, like, I know I'm going to want to read this. Like, I've, I've already gotten, you know, referrals to this manga from people and I know that, you know, with the people I'm hearing it from and they know what my tastes are, I know that this is going to be something that I really like. So that's why I just went, you know what, right now I just sold some stuff. So it's like I had a little extra money to spend. I'm just going to lock it down, get this whole series. And then, uh, you know, I won't be disappointed if I put it off for a couple of years and then half the volumes are out of print and would cost me, you know, hundreds of dollars to get. Well, you know what they say. If you like it, then you better buy a full run of it. So... Yeah. Makes sense. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right? isn't that what Beyonce said? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's the song. It's very, very yeah. popular. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to say, though, I love that I stopped collecting comics because this is so much easier. <laughs> yeah, that is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Same exact thing, but. Um, I, I gotta say, though, like getting this and then, like, you know, I've been getting the bad idea stuff from things from another world and i've been getting a few other books from them because like if you pre-order you get a pretty good discount you get like a 30 percent discount on pre-ordering graphic novels and stuff yeah that seems to be about the standard now yeah for and those kind of pre-order mail order services yeah yeah and it's i mean it's a, it's a good discount and they package well all that kind of stuff um but like the more I do it, I'm like, why am I getting these bad idea books? Like these add up to costs, the cost of some of these like big volumes that I care more about, and the bad idea books. I'm always like, eh, that was okay. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm still getting them, but uh, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know exactly why. I, th- I think I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stick with my original plan because I know like one of the last things coming out for bad idea is Joshua Dysart's book. And forgive me, I don't remember the name of the artist on it because. Once again, you know, I'm bad with remembering names. It's uh, Tomas Giarillo, right? Oh, is it? Awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I love him. Yeah. You'd think yeah, I'd remember exactly. his name because yeah, I love him, but that's not how I work. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome artist, amazing writer. It's should be a pretty great book. Yeah. And like that one I'm, I'm excited about checking out because also Joshua Dysart doesn't do a ton of stuff. You know, he hasn't no, had anything really out doesn't. in a while. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see that one. Then some of the other ones like uh, The Lot. I have, I think, two issues right now. Haven't read either of them. I, I tried to start reading the first one, but I was too tired that night. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to try. I wouldn't give this book a fair due. I have the, I think, the third issue of Tankers, and I am looking forward to reading that one because it's fun. But it's also like kind of like we've said before. A lot of the bad idea books are, well, you know, that was fun, but nothing is great. Nothing mm-hmm. is like blowing us away, with some exceptions. And one I think that is much more interesting is Passive Aggressive. Yes, all right. Let's let's get passive aggressive, huh? So you read passive first, right? I did. Before we get into this, let's explain what this is for the listener out there that doesn't 
necessarily know. No, let's just leave them in the dark. <laughs> so let's not even talk about it. Let's just give our opinions without any reference points. So passive aggressive is a comic book by bad idea. Obviously it's written by Matt Kent with art by David Laffam. And is that how you say his name? It's either Laffam or Lapham. I okay. always thought it was Laffam, but I might be very wrong and I'm sorry, David, if I'm saying it incorrectly, oh, he, he needs to clear this up for us. I love your artwork, very, and very rude if I'm, if not I'm to saying it wrong, this. I don't intend to be rude. <laughs> what happened is when the book came out, it was revealed that there's actually two books. One is called Passive, and one is called Aggressive. And they both have the exact same cover. So there's no way to tell which actual story you're getting without opening up the front cover and looking inside of it to see if you have the passive story or the aggressive story. So, and this is kind of neat. It's, it's kind of, it's the exact opposite of a variant cover because a variant cover has exactly the same insides as any book, but just a different cover. And this is completely the opposite where the, the outside cover is the only thing that is the same in this book and the interior is completely different and these were divided up and shipped throughout the country basically one half of the country got passive the other half of the country got aggressive so once it was revealed that there's actually two books here not one book the way to get the other one was to either have a friend that could track it down for you and do a trade or something like that or to buy it very very quickly from one of the stores from across the country to make sure that you received the other version of the book and yeah that's that's i guess what it is and as far as the story itself goes it's the same events told from two different perspectives and I guess the, the basic summary of it is Passive tells a story about a kid in a Russian computer hacking group that is trying to find a way out of his situation as just a step above slave labor, pretty much, as a Russian hacker. And the aggressive version of the story tells about an American quote-unquote superhero who comes to Russia to break up this hacking ring for various reasons. And so passive is told it, it's the same events. It's just that passive tells it from the story of this young kid. Aggressive tells it from the perspective of this quote unquote superhero. And I say quote unquote, because I, I don't think he's a hero by any metric we could really use other than he wears a costume and he beats up criminals. Yeah, so that's that's what we're talking about when we talk about passive aggressive. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. One one other thing that I believe is the same in both is the backup story, right? Uh yeah, that's correct. The yeah. backup story is the same in both. I, I didn't visually check myself, but I actually did wanted to make sure that there wasn't some little nuance in there that I missed that maybe you caught. Yeah, so you figured out there was some funny business going on here before they came out. Yeah, I I kind of deciphered and read the tea leaves that there was something funny happening with this book 
essentially right when it was announced, I thought, okay, there's something strange about the way that they're announcing this book because bad idea is a hype machine. And that comes from the when these people were at Valiant, they were a hype machine at Valiant. You know, I think that some people are like, oh, whatever, they're just hype everything. But, you know, that's that's their job is just to sell the books and make people excited about each of the books. They have transferred that over to Bad Idea and have really been working to hype every book that they put out. Except this one. They didn't really hype it. They just threw it in second to last in a wave of announcements before announcing the final book, which was the Josh Dysart book that everyone was really, really excited to find out, ooh, is it going to be the Josh Dysart book or is it going to be this Megalith book that they've been teasing? And then there was only a week for stores to order it. And they kind of just threw that out there as this little nugget of information. So they were doing everything to not hype this book when usually they hype the heck out of every book they put out. So that put off some huge yellow flags to me. And I pre-ordered six copies of the book as a result, which turned out to be a very, very smart thing to do. Yeah. So one of the things with this too is uh, with their final wave of books, they had the deal where if you went in and pre-ordered the whole final wave, you would get redemption stickers, right? If you were one of the first five people to pre-order the entire wave, then you got a redemption sticker. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was to obviously get people to, you know, build up numbers ahead of time and also to make a limited thing. The thing that I think is funny is if you were attentive, the so the, the stickers ended up being redeemable for the whichever copy you needed of this book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get the stickers? I did. I got a sticker and I sent it in and I'm waiting to get my copy mailed to me. Did you have to pay shipping? Yeah, it was like $8 or something like that. So... I paid $13 to get a copy of this book, which means that I paid five bucks more than you are paying them to ship a copy to you. I think that keeping the stickers would have been more valuable because I think that that'll be like an artifact because so many people are going to redeem them. That's one thing I thought about with this. I did consider that because by that time I had 10 copies of the book. Yeah. (laughs) So like, but I, on, on the flip side, you never know, right? Yeah. What if they send out something different that than what they say they're going to send out? So I just I I took the word for it and sent in the sticker. Yeah. I, basically, what I found is I think play by their rules. They they tell you what to do, and if you do it, things work out for you. Yeah. I mean, there's I, I think that that's kind of it's it's meant to be fun it's meant to be you know like engaging you with a certain thing so well i'm not sure it's meant to be fun to be honest i i don't think that they're that is necessarily their goal i think that their goal is hype and not fun necessarily but the 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 way they do it is meant to be fun and rewarding for those doing it that's what the hype is built off of is you're going to get something special that's all the things they do are meant for that they're meant to build hype like that's what what they're utilizing that for but it, and this, this isn't the case in anything. Like a lot of times we try to outsmart the game and we end up taking something that should be fun and making it not fun. And 
yeah, sometimes we can actually get get a bigger win out of it, but a lot of times we we think we're smarter and then we make things worse. Um, so that's where like just with the stickers, it's like yeah, I I kind of feel like if you just kept the stickers, you might end up having more value being able to like sell the stickers in the future because they'll be scarcer. But Valiant also not Valiant, sorry, uh, <laughs> bad idea. Whoops, uh, bad idea really knows. Um, about the value of these things because like they're basing this all off of you know the value that they relaunched from the 90s there are a lot of things that were redemption things in those books that they know the books are more valuable if they have them now Mm -hmm. so um like they know that so just like you said who knows like yeah they say that you just get this book but maybe you get the book but maybe it's a secret special edition of the book you know maybe you get a stamp redemption edition uh, you know, something the equivalent of getting like a gold book of a Valiant book, you know, just something yeah, who makes knows, it a little right? bit, yeah, you don't know until yeah. you get it. So, it's like, I think, uh, you know, playing along with the game is the better way to go. But yeah, so you told me about this uh, when it was coming out, you know, like it was all over Twitter and stuff that um, there were two versions of the book. And so, like, I, I, I don't have the means to figure this stuff out. So, I just, basically went to was like what do i do <laughs> and um you said because i was like you're getting a bunch of copies like you know how how does this work and you said um like you kind of pointed me towards a sort of checkout or you, you told me kind of how to figure it out a little bit and so what what we figured out pretty easily is like it would just split straight down the middle of the country like one half of the yeah. country gets one volume the other half gets the other so it was way less insidious than they made it sound where it's random you never know what your store is going to get. No, you, it's not too hard unless you're like, right, your store is in the middle of the country. Yeah, well, that's 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 what's funny is I actually, I was looking at the map <laughs> to figure out what I was getting uh-huh. and how many copies of passive I was going to get, how many copies of aggressive I was going to get. And there was a store that I ordered from that was like in Missouri. And I was like, uh, I have no idea what I'm going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so with um, you know, with your advice, I was able to quickly order a copy from Third Eye Comics, which I honestly don't even remember where they're at. <laughs> I'm typically getting bad idea books from Things from Another World, which is I think in Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Uh, and then Third Eye Comics, I can't remember offhand exactly where it's at, but it's somewhere on the east side of the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, um, I was able to. Order from them. Yeah, it was only it was like five bucks shipping for an eight dollar comic, um, but it's thirteen dollars. And I still like if I'm looking at it objectively from just how much did I enjoy this? I don't know if it was worth thirteen dollars. But then if you add in just the fun of kind of being a part of something, you know, that's um, it kind of adds some value to it. You know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And who, you know, who knows? Like when the dust settles, will these books like have resale value that will make them worth having gotten? That's not the reason I'm doing it, but part of the reason I'm more willing to do it is I think that there will be at least enough value out of everything to where it'll kind of, at the minimum, wash in the end. If I decide, okay, I'm, I'm done with Bad Idea, I'm not going to keep reading them, and I sell the books, I think it'll kind of offset the the extra cost of some of this stuff. Okay. So let's talk about the book, because I don't want to run out of time. No, I don't want to talk about the book. Okay. Well, I do. <laughs> so w- one of the really interesting aspects of this book is because it's the the same story told from two perspectives. One of the big questions I had is, does it matter which order you read it in? And, and or does the order you read it in affect what you think the story is about? 
or how the story lands or y- how you we absorb the story as readers. And because I read passive first and you read a- aggressive first, right, Paul? Yeah. So we have here a, a case study because I kind of had my hunches about what it would seem like, but we'll, we'll dig into that. So I think from here on out, this is just spoiler warning for the passive aggressive story, because to, to have this conversation, we're just going to need to be able to talk about all the different parts of this book. So you've been warned. If you haven't read it, definitely just turn off this podcast and never turn it on again. We we're not going to talk about anything else exciting after this. So this is the last thing. So uh, thanks for listening. Okay. All right. Everyone who's read it, (laughs) let's do it. So I read passive first and I thought that it was the better story and aggressive felt more like sprinkling of flavor to the story that passive was telling because of it. But I don't know if it's just because I read passive first, that ingrained it into my mind as, well, this is what the story is. And so then I was looking at aggressive of, well, how does this fit in with what is already established in my mind as what the story is, you know? Mm-hmm. But well, so what was your experience? Uh, did you have something similar or, or inverted or? So I, or? as you said, I read aggressive first cause uh, that's the one I got from third eye comics. And then when I got passive, like a couple weeks later, of course I read that. I had an inkling knowing myself that I would be a little less swayed by which one I read first than I think most people would. Um, because I had, I had pretty strong ideas about the characters from the order I read them that meshed even when I read the second one. So I, I didn't like when I read the second one, I didn't feel drastically different about the characters. So reading aggressive first, like you you mentioned, um, the superhero is uh, going to get his money back because this Russian spying like drained all his money. So he's just going in killing people left and right. He's a real dirtbag. Like he's he's just you know bad right off the bat. Right uh, mm-hmm. there, there's nothing about it that makes you think that he's good. There's no subtlety with him. So like you just know he's a dirtbag immediately. He's basically the Punisher. Yeah. And he's, with He's the Punisher, but he cares about money, not revenge. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, he's he's a uh the He's uh, the Punisher a liber- without good motivation. I mean, it's awful. Yeah, he's a libertarian Punisher. <laughs> oh man, he's so bad. Yeah. But so the the other kind of aspect of the story, so like the the other side of the coin is the um, not not the Russians, you know, hacking ring as a whole, but sp- specific characters in it that you see are yeah, the kid Xander. Yeah, they're the bit players. Yeah. You know, they're they're caught up in this hacking ring, and of course, they're in a position where you know their their lives aren't good. You know, they're like you said, they're kind of treated like slave labor, pretty much. Like they have to hack, they have to meet their quotas at the risk of death. But how did they get there? Like, if you stop and think for a second, like you don't. And, and looking at the way they act too, they weren't like kidnapped and beaten and chained up to do this. Like they ended up there by choice somehow, and they, that's not explored in the story in the story at all. So even if they're being exploited at this point. And they're afraid for their lives. Like, they're also living like, oh, yeah, this is what I signed up for, kind of, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So even so, even reading aggressive first, where I just got a taste of their side of the story. Z- Do you say his name is Xander? Yeah, Xander. You see, that's how bad I am with names. You've literally said that over and over, and I can't remember. You know, he he's the focal point of the the passive side of the story. But even with the dichotomy of how garbage the superhero guy is, what's his name? The Watch. The Watch. Even with how garbage the Watch clearly is, when I saw Xander, I'm like, this, this kid is also not that redeemable. You know, it's like, I mean, he's not as bad. Like, the the he definitely looks better compared to the Watch, where the Watch is just, you know, wantonly killing it, people because he wants his money back. And, like... The watch, I think, is representing a worse nature. Like the watch is kind of the nature of the like the the leaders of the hacking ring, you know. But still, those those bit players, Xander, like he he got there somehow on his own, so he's not exactly innocent. Doesn't mean he deserves the watch to come and kill him. Interesting, I because I saw this totally different. I really, I, I didn't really have sympathy for him from the beginning. I had a lot of sympathy for him, and that's because. He was portrayed as a character that kind of got into a situation. It's like somebody who gets in with the mob unwittingly and then is is stuck in this terrible situation. That's kind of what it felt. And like I, to I me. agree We're, with that, but and it fleshed out when we re- when we read passive that he did the stupidest things he could do to try to get out of it. He went and screwed with somebody much more powerful than he was to try to get out of it, and he he ended up getting out of it. At the cost of everything that he thought he cared about. He would have gotten out of it. It, it probably, it would have worked. And it actually, it, well, it did work, right? The whole mm-hmm. thing did work. It's just that the the guy that he hacked happened to be the watch. Mm-hmm. And he actually did get away with it. He got the, the bag of money. He escaped to this island paradise. The only thing that didn't work is that his, his girlfriend was murdered. Because she was still in this hacking ring when the watch showed up. Not his girlfriend. Well, I know, but I'm just saying that as shorthand. So, and this is where I think, like, uh, we can also build up more of, you know, this character is, when you, you know, compare him to certain aspects, he seems much more sympathetic. But when you really look at who he is, there's less to be sympathetic about. He has this fantasy in this in his head of this girl's gonna, you know, be his girlfriend and be in love with him. Because she, one, she's the girl that's there for him to fixate on, and you know, it, it, you have this fantasy of like, I'm going to get out of this. I care about this person. They were just acquaintances, basically. They they found a way to kind of hack the system to where they could kind of chit chat while they were doing their job without getting in trouble for it. And I think that he read into that a lot and thought that there was more there than was. And thought that, like, I'm going to rescue her, I'm going to steal this money, we're going to go away, we're going to have this perfect life. And it just goes to show that, you know, he was doing something that was wrong to try to get out of a bad situation and trying to do something bigger than he had the power to do. In the end, he ended up, you know, on on the beach with the money that uh, that he was able to, like, keep. And the girl's dead. And he's just... Yeah. You know, like he's clearly wrecked at that point. Like he bit oh, off yeah. more. Than, it's like you know, it's not like uh, quite like. I mean, your analogy was was fine with uh, with the mob thing, but it's kind of like a different analogy where you're trying to scam somebody and you end up scamming the mob, and then they come and kill everybody around you, 
And you might have, like, snuck by because you're not even big enough for them to notice, but you just caused all this mayhem, you know? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the result of what happened with what he did. He caused all this mayhem because of the watch. If he was really smart, he would have done something like skimmed money off of tons of billionaires and been rich without it being enough money to really drastically bother the billionaires. But not only did he go all in on one, he went all in on the one wrong person. But yeah. it ended up bringing down the hacking ring because the watches came and killed everybody. But it also destroyed everything that he thought he cared about. And he brought that on. Like, as much as that was a bad situation he was trying to get out of, he was doing it by duplicitous means. And he brought that all on himself. So this is weird. So here's... Because I, I feel totally kind of opposite. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with everything you, you said. Like, he brought it on. And he created this entire terrible situation. But I felt like he was the sympathetic, quote unquote, hero of the book. Like he's he's the one who was he, he brought it all on, but he's trying to use the tools at his disposal to make the uh, the best of a good situation and to get out of it and escape from it. Yeah. And so I, I had a whole lot of sympathy from him. And and I, I kind of wonder if that had to do with me reading passive first because i got his story i saw basically all his heartbreak and all that i didn't really see too much of the wrongdoing because it kind of just skims on that and you see a lot of the kind of wrongdoing more from the watch's perspective when he goes berserk when all his money's gone and it's it's a lot easier to see how yeah, stealing all that money is a really terrible thing to do when you're seeing it from the perspective of the person who it was stolen from. Oh, see, I, and I don't think that I felt that way. Like, the okay. the watch's reaction to the money being stolen did not make me feel like he was wrong. It made me, like, he was, yeah, he was wrong, but he obviously was a garbage human being from the first place. So he's a, a human that deserved to be wronged in some way, even if he didn't technically do anything to deserve to be robbed. The only character I feel any sympathy for in this, I think, is the girl. Uh, and even then, like, we don't know enough about her to know if she actually deserves sympathy or not. Uh, but mm-hmm. she she was uh, the one bystander that got killed that we had some kind of sympathy for without getting to know her deeper. All the other bystanders that got killed, we didn't know enough about. They We, we either knew they were bad or we just didn't know enough about. So I think the girl is the only one that, like, really deserves any sympathy in this. The watch is a piece of garbage. Um, I see like, and this is where like, maybe, maybe there is more uh, difference based on the reading order, but I thought that reading aggressive first should have made me more sympathetic for the character of Xander, because all you see is at the end, like his little world getting crushed. He's just a kid there with donuts, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's all you really see. So like, you just like, all you see is, is some innocence there. And, reading passive shows all kind of the kind of dirt in his history, which would give you less sympathy towards him. Like reading passive, I thought did less to build sympathy for him than not really knowing him and just seeing the results at the end. Hmm. Okay. So this may also get to some of our bigger views on things, but I felt like he was basically just kind of a, like the real villains are the the leaders of this Russian hacking ring. Mm-hmm. 
and not him because he he is just he's the instrument of doing it he's the one actually doing the hacking but he wouldn't be doing the hacking if he weren't part of this ring it's he's only doing this because he's being forced to by the russian leaders so in my mind the russian leaders are the really terrible people and he is more of a slave to the system than anything else yeah that's how i how i viewed it that's true so i so that's why i had a lot of sympathy for him he's basically trying to unchain himself from the shackles of his oppressors yeah but at the same time he's trying to do that and while he's trying to draw heat on them to bring them down he's also trying to get away with billions of dollars that he doesn't deserve by stealing from somebody and putting the heat onto bad people that deserve heat but if if he were more altruistic he wouldn't be like even if he's trying to get out with enough money to establish life there's a big difference between that and trying to get out with every last dollar you can do you know like he he was looking to be set as a billionaire through duplic through duplicitous means, and if he tried to get away with less, he might have gotten away with what he wanted, which was actually getting him and the girl out of there. He overshot okay. because of greed, and set himself up to you know to to fail. So that, that's where it's like I, I get I, you're right in the fact that like his role to start with he's not the bad guy in that role. Like this Russian hacking ring is, you know, that that's where all the real bad is. But as you go through, he's not making moral choices. Even in like, even if you can say, which is true that he has to do immoral things to break this down because those are the only tools he has available to him. He's still, as he goes, making the greediest choices he can along the way. So that's where I don't have a lot of sympathy for his character is like he at no point was trying to do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. He was trying to do the right thing and getting as much as he could out of it the whole time. Uh, I think that the the way he saw it is he had to get all of that in order to to make it successful. Right. It's is he, he needed to be set for life if he was going to make this work because to get out of it, he needed to completely get out of it and be able to completely live and be handled based off of this, like for the rest of his life. Yeah. He needed to disappear, but you don't need billions to disappear. He could have disappeared with uh, an amount of money that would have had him set for life, but it's better would have been a lot less noticeable. And that's where the greed comes in. He wanted more, he wanted more. But do you think that the order you read it affected you? how you saw it initially i didn't but you seem to have been more sympathetic to the character with having read passive first and i i honestly thought that it would have the opposite effect because passive shows his you know like uh, xander's dirty bits and aggressive mm. focuses on how how garbage the wa- the watch is i guess i left it feeling like xander was the least garbage person involved in all of this aside from the the, his girlfriend yeah and she was pretty a pretty amorphous character too like there was no build up you know like she wasn't really yeah. fleshed out so like if we throw her out just look at the characters that we really know like i honestly felt like everybody was pretty garbage so. <laughs> well i actually this is maybe an interesting point then because it's basically this is a two wrongs do two wrongs make a right type of question or do two wrongs just make double wrong yeah <laughs> and i think that how a person's personal views come into play may affect what they think about that. Yeah. And, 
like, which itself is, I think, really interesting and makes for a really successful story. When yeah. when different people can look at the same story and take away different things, that means it's a very good story. It, it they both end with um, with being on the beach and the watch is there with uh, his lady that quote works for him. Yeah. Um, and he's still rich. He's uh, still a piece of garbage. He's still rich and powerful. And uh, when you read Passive, you see that Xander's there on the beach. And he got away with plenty of money. But he's like he, he looks pretty wrecked. The girl that he cared about is dead because of him. Mm-hmm. And he may have gotten away with money, but he does not look like he won. Well, here's another thing that I don't know if this is intended to be part of the story or not he knows that that rich billionaire guy is the watch. Yep. So if he turns around and sees him on the beach, is he going to think, Oh God, he's found me. I'm about to die. Is he sitting there thinking I'm about to die because the watch has found me. That's pretty much how I took it. (laughs) Even though, but well, this is another thing that I think is really interesting about this book is that the watch was totally duped and is totally wrong. And he actually, killed all the wrong people mm-hmm. and he doesn't he, care and he stole more money yeah exactly right the, the watch so, also stole money yeah so it <laughs> this whole thing like he was duped he was basically totally duped so i saw the aggressive part of the story as like a warning about vigilantism and people any one person having too much power because any one person having too much power, if they are misinformed or misunderstand something, will misapply that power. Yep. And that is so easy to do. I so, agree with that. And that uh, I thought was kind of a huge... It was pointing out the, the huge flaw in vigilantism. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw as the aggressive side of the story. Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, here, here's another thing, though. Uh, like... So that revealed that the watch is wrong. You don't really get that until you read passive. So in a way, I was wondering if it is better to read aggressive first, because from the aggressive storyline, he's going to avenge this group of Russian hackers that stole all his money. And it seems from the aggressive storyline that, that he's right, like he got the right people. And you don't get the bit of the story that actually, no, he didn't get the person responsible for this at all until you read Passive. So in a way, Passive has the twist to the story. Yeah. And when you read Aggressive, you can be kind of like, yeah, get him a bit more uh, if, you know, if you're into it. But then when you read Aggressive, you see that he's just wrong. Um, yeah, but and, the, the and even if you're not bad. into it, though, you you still see that that you don't see that he's wrong until you read passive. You yeah. need that bit, so it's kind of weird to me that it felt like one half of the story held the twist to it, the other half didn't. But well, actually, that's not quite true because you don't get that there's a twist without putting the two together, right? Because you know that. Xander says he left some breadcrumbs to point the direct to point the blame at somebody else, and that's about it. And then you see that happening, but I didn't really see the watch saying, "This is the guy that did it." I believe all my everything I've learned about this is right, and I'm going to go get this guy. Until you read aggressive, so it, it kind of does take both halves of the story there to put together that twist to the story. 
Yeah. Though I think more of it is established in passive than in aggressive. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting about it. It's like when a twist is composed of two halves of the story, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, and it definitely makes you look at a lot of things to when you're putting the pieces together to try to figure it out. Like I think one of the things is looking at you know how we read uh, vigilante stories. Um, I mean, like The Punisher is a good example. As you know, we're reading ultra violent stories in The Punisher, and it's easy to be like, yeah, you know, he's. Yeah, you know, this may not be it may not be great to glorify violence, but if you're going to glorify violence, at least the violence is against really awful people. But what about when he's wrong? Like, look at the Punisher's character. If he's wrong, he's he's never going to believe that he's wrong. You know, he's just going to go about what he's doing. So, like, has he ever brutally exactly. murdered somebody that was completely innocent? Probably, because he doesn't care. You know, he he he's trying to exact whatever his driving force is. The watch is yeah. even more irredeemable because. His driving force is just greed. You know, he just... Well, and and pills, pushers, they're all pushers. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, his, his his silly childhood trauma. They, they play like lip service to yeah. the childhood trauma that makes him that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the character of Xander, like, it's easier to be sympathetic towards him because he's not this big, overpowerful, overbearing character. But I think when you see the relationship between the two, it's he's he does a similar thing where he's doing what he thinks is right that's going to harm other people to get what he wants. He's just less powerful, so we're more sympathetic towards him. And I think that when you relate the two and really look at it, like Xander exacted the events that caused the girl he cared about to get killed. And that's where I think that... Um, his character is is not very redeemable either. I think both characters are pretty irredeemable. I guess part of it to me, though, is that he... You can make well, more excuses I, for his behavior, but still well, when you get well, down to it, like I don't think his, his, his behavior is excused. It's... What, what it, it... Like, the bad things that happen are a side effect of his behavior. They aren't, like, the actual behavior itself. It's kind of like it is a... A, a passive <laughs> effect of what exactly. he did versus yeah. the watch who had an active effect on the the things that he did and so that that was kind of the difference it's like direct actions versus indirect actions and xander had very bad indirect actions yeah as a result of his of, of what he did versus the watch who had very bad direct actions yeah and i just think xander is still culpable for his actions even if they were indirect like you can indirectly do things that harm people and you're still culpable for that and it's easier to deny accountability for it and that's why i i don't care for xander either okay well i think that that is a good place to wrap it up yeah i feel like we should have another episode about that book (laughs) (laughs) no no this is enough I don't want to talk about this book anymore. Good, I got it out of your system. Yeah. But you got like 10 more copies to read. Uh, well, I'm not going to read every single <laughs> one. I have to keep them in pristine mint condition. Uh, well, Obviously. Tell the people where to find us. Okay, you find us wherever you found this one. Hey! Boom. And if you're looking on Twitter, you can find Paul at Who's Paul? Question we're always wondering, who Who's Paul? And you can find me at Bad Deacon, like a deacon that has gone bad. Oh, no, it's terrible. And that's about it. Thank you for listening, everyone.